The psychedelic revolution is here. If you want to integrate your visionary experiences into your purpose, get clear on your entrepreneurial path and help people while you do what you love, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur, medicine for these times. I'm your host, Beth Weinstein. I'm a spiritual business coach, three-time entrepreneur, and a lifelong student of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. You carry your own unique medicine, and your medicine is what we need for these times. This podcast will help you to share your medicine so you can create transformation in the world. Listen in on conversations with psychedelic leaders, change makers, and conscious entrepreneurs who are living proof that a better world is possible when you follow your heart and live in alignment with your soul. Hey everyone, welcome back. And today I am so excited to have my guests, Benjamin and Azria Becker, joining us today. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, hey, so, hey. so cool to be here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being us. here. I'm so excited to get into it. I've been following you for many years and you just published a book. We're going to hear all about this path that you're on and talk more about the medicine work that you're up to and all that you're doing in the world as great leaders that you are. So I'll go over your bio really quick. Azria and Benjamin Becker are the co-founding stewards of Becoming, and that's with a Q, Becoming, a platform that provides transformational tools, media, and experiences to help people see beyond the veil of who they thought they were supposed to be and awaken their full spectrum aliveness. They also co-authored a book titled Becoming, Everything You Didn't Know You Wanted. And you can purchase a special edition hardcover that is not found on Amazon at their website, www.becomingwithaq.me slash book. And we'll have the links right here in the show notes. So Benjamin and Azria, please tell everybody, um, this is always the first question I ask. I'm curious about your path to becoming where you are now, um, especially in the career business world. I'm curious what you used to do and what got you to where you are now. I'd love to hear your stories. Hmm. How in-depth do you want us to go? <laughs> because that could be a 20-minute answer or it could be a, you know, a, a four-minute answer. Yeah, the quick hero's journey. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Why don't you start? Yeah, I, I graduated college. My family was on the verge of bankruptcy, and I started a business with my father, uh, Hispanic grocery store business. We grew that over 12 years. We had 1,800 employees doing a couple hundred million dollars in revenue when we sold it. Uh, and then I was just kind of a serial entrepreneur, and, you know, after I sold that business, I, I said I was going to start living with more purpose and, and found myself really doing the only thing I knew how I was chasing the dollar and more and more. And I, I was like on the on the rat race, uh, on the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then was really seeking more purpose and then found Azria and, and the medicine, uh, ayahuasca in particular, and just kind of blasted my heart open and I ended up on this shamanic, you know, path and now living with great purpose and, you know, stewarding, um, you know, the becoming vision. Yeah. And for me, I was really always on the path of artistic and creative expression. I, I studied acting in Germany where I grew up and then moved to LA and very quickly realized that Hollywood wasn't going to be the end all be all of my, my, my big dreams to make an impact and, and make a difference. 
And so it was more of a, a gradual journey into the psychedelic plant medicine space, you know, Burning Man, Joshua Tree, like some profound experiences where I got to sort of catch a glimpse of something beyond my five senses that was really pivotal in, in helping me reframe my relationship to life and reality. But the real shift came in 2015 when I had my first ayahuasca ceremony. And that was really like a, that's a very distinct moment, turning point moment, where there was like a before and after. And so I came out of that experience with this blueprint, really, this vision of who I was actually meant to be versus who I thought I was supposed to be. And so it was then just a, a real shedding, letting go of the, the actress identity, which I was very attached to, and transitioning into starting to hold space for others, doing transformational work, and really moving towards this big picture vision that I'd been shown in my ceremony, which was like watching, you know, a trailer for a movie, but it was it was that vivid and it was showing me that I was meant to have pretty significant impact through working with high impact individuals, CEOs, entrepreneurs, you know, celebrities, people with real influence, and to bring them into the the becoming work, really, not just the the plant medicine work, but also all the other modalities and tools that have been integral on my path. So it's been many years of fully stepping into the embodiment of that version of me that I caught a glimpse of in that first ceremony. And then when B and I met, we just joined forces in, in, a, in a powerful way and kind of completed each other's puzzles. And uh, here we are. Oh, I love this story. You can see I'm, I'm smiling throughout it. This is the whole inspiration for this podcast, for the work I do in the world. Uh, and it's very similar in my story as well, being on the medicine path for a pretty long time and having that idea of living with more purpose come through and come through the medicine. Obviously, I, I believe it comes through other areas, right? You know, meditation, the connection to source, the connection to the earth, our, ourselves, but this is what inspired me to create, um, you know, I've done three summits around psychedelics and purpose, this whole theme of how they can wake us up to hopefully live more awakened, conscious lives. And also um, really be on this path of transformational and conscious entrepreneurship, you know, creating this new world of, okay, it's not just about getting rid of money and getting rid of business. I don't know, maybe, maybe one day, <laughs> but in the meantime, um, about how do we do this differently? So let's dive into this a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit more. You know, I think both of you had said ayahuasca, which is clearly a big part of my path as well. You know, it shows, it can show you this. Um, this is what happened to me as well, where it showed me these visions and I actually ignored them for many years. And I was like, well, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's possible. And then I just allowed it to come through and, you know, just got curious and here I am. But do you feel that these medicines are here to teach us this about purpose, like to wake up something that's inherently in us? Or what is your theory on how, let's say, something like ayahuasca can wake, wake this up in people? Because I'm sure you know there are people who've worked with medicines over and over and over for many years who haven't made any changes in their life. Absolutely. I mean, ayahuasca in particular is a medicine that I personally believe, and I don't have scientific evidence necessarily to back this up, but I, having worked with it extensively, I, I feel intuitively that it works on a DNA level. And it sort of unlocks dormant information inside of our own genetic material. And I think that's a very interesting kind of perspective on things, because 
If you look at science and what we know about DNA, there's this common belief, at least up until recently, that like 98% of our DNA is what's called junk DNA, meaning we don't really understand what it does or why, you know, what purpose it serves. And so I feel like what I've witnessed in my own journey and in the journey of other people that are also on this path is that there's these abilities, these not just like abilities, but really ways of being, ways of seeing, ways of feeling the world that weren't available. It's like they were offline and then they sort of got switched on and through through the medicine work. And um, even though it's obviously an altered state, a very altered state that is not meant to last forever, there's something that is fundamentally shifted even long after the ceremony ends. And I think that that decoding or unlocking of that dormant DNA, of that potential that's stored inside of us, can give us access to what we call the soul curriculum. It's like our unique imprint for what it is that we're here to do in this lifetime, which is bigger than our identity, bigger than our the circumstances of our of our human life, but really coming from like a soul perspective. There's there's a a blueprint that we can find and discover and, and start to come into alignment with that is going to inevitably lead us towards our greatest purpose. And that looks different for everyone, right? Purposes can be being an incredible father, can be your purpose in this lifetime, or can be, yeah, the soul curriculum aspect is a big part of what we teach. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll give a very different perspective on that question. And so for me, like Azria sat in her first ayahuasca ceremony and saw her whole life flash before her life, saw like a highlight reel of, of what it was going to be. And for me, you know, I sold my first business and I was in a place where I didn't need to work. And I, I started saying I was going to live with more purpose because that's what I was supposed to do. But the truth is, is for me, unlocking my purpose was a, a really circuitous route. I didn't realize it, but I had some childhood traumas that caused me not to feel safe in the world. So because I didn't feel safe in the world, giving away anything really um, didn't feel true. It didn't feel safe, right? Because I, I had achieved this material success because it was luck. And if I lost it, I would never be able to replace it. And so I, there was this just general feeling of not feeling safe in the world. And the work with the medicine for me really helped me unlock this that I didn't even realize was there and release this feeling of not feeling safe and also help me connect with the universe. I didn't really care about the planet. Like I didn't care about recycling. I didn't care about so many things because I didn't feel connected to it. And through this work with the medicine, I connected to source in a way that I'd never felt before, which also allowed me to truly feel safe in, the, in this world and know that I'm cared for and that I'm, I'm co-creating with, with spirit, with, with the universe, with God, whatever you want to call it. And that allowed me to live with more purpose. And so it wasn't like, oh, the medicine showed me my path or showed me you know, how to live with more purpose or gave me this. It, it, it allowed me to do the internal work on me so that I could feel safe. And in doing so, that unlocked the ability for me to actually share my blessings with the world. And so it was a, it was a different expression of that. That's this is so beautiful. It actually leads me to my next question. Um, you know, that core wound that so many people walk with, I mean, especially the last couple of years, right? This feeling of not feeling safe and being disconnected from self and source and nature and earth and which I think is one of the biggest problems on the on the planet. 
Um, because it really comes down to this core, you know, that that core feeling of like, I'm not safe in the world. And then you throw in COVID and wars and media and fear constant, you know, like being thrown at us. And of course, no one feels safe. But then, you know, there's this deeper core wound that so many people walk with. And I know because I, I, I went through that journey myself big time. But I'm wondering if you think, you know, because I've, I've wondered this for years. This is what brought me onto my, my own journey with coming and teaching about purpose. I was already a business coach, but going deeper into um, integrating the, the medicine work into your, your heart, your purpose, your trueness, you know, your, what I call like divine path. Um, but do you think this is why so many people are afraid to take that very first step? You know, so many people dream of quitting their jobs or being a leader or starting a podcast or writing a book and years and years and years go by and they drink medicine, they work with psilocybin, they go on retreats, they do all these programs and then things don't really move for them. Do you think that's related to this? Like what, what is, what's running and how is this affecting the world at large in your opinion? I mean, I think that everyone has different layers of disconnection that they get to move through, you know, because it's, it's really like layers of disconnection. It's not just this like, oh, I was disconnected and now I'm connected, right? And when I say connected, I mean connected to the life force, the life-giving energy of a, of a benevolent, intelligent universe that has your back, right? That's what That's what I mean, like remembering that you are a part of something greater than yourself, connected to that which is where really our true power comes from. It doesn't come from our own ego's ideas of what we can control or can't control. It comes from from that, from surrendering to that. And when that's not felt, when that's just conceptual, then it's very difficult to surrender. It's very difficult to let go. It's very difficult to make big life changes because it's very scary to our ego. And I think Charles Eisenstein says it's like our, our egos are naked and afraid and alone, you know, feeling like it's it's us against against this hostile, random universe that may just fuck us up real quick, you know? <laughs> so of course, it's going to be harder to to take those risks and make those changes. And so I think it's, it's like layers that um, layers of disconnection, of numbing, of forgetting that we have to shed. And so it, it, sometimes it just takes time, you know, not everyone, like I'm maybe not the most relatable case study in the sense that I already had a very strong foundation of trust with life before I even started on this path. And I am realizing more and more how rare that is. And so when I started working with the medicine, that was already in place. So I was able to make very dramatic decisions and throw myself off the edge, you know, and quit my job and like face all these challenging things because that was kind of already there, even though, yeah, it had been forgotten a bit, but it came back online really quickly for me. And so that's my unique path, right? And my, my, my life circumstances allowed for that to happen. But most people are really more in Benjamin's camp where there's some form of trauma that occurred at a young age and then this really deep sense of being of not belonging and of not being loved by and cared for by life and so then of course this mechanism of trying to defend and hold on to what we can control is very strong and if you look at his journey it took him years <laughs> a life lifetime <laughs> and of of like peeling away the layers you know it's not like he went and sat in one ceremony and was like okay i'm good this man did serious work, serious work, and it was just relentless. And it went on for a long time. And 
there kept being moments where he's like, okay, I think I'm on the other side. Like I made it through. I'm good now. And then, you know, whack, like something else would come up and he'd realize there was a whole nother layer, the subconscious repressed memory thing that he hadn't looked at. And so a lot of people aren't willing to go that deep into the uncomfortable places. And so I think when people are stagnant, it's maybe that there's something is still not willing to be fully felt all the way through. And, or maybe it's also just not their time yet. And that's okay too. Yes, it's like this dance between choosing to be ready and also just like actually genuinely, authentically being ready, you know? And, and I'm always very interested in this intersection between like fate and free will and the paradox of that. But when you look at nature and you look at like the mango growing on the tree, you can't force it to be ready before it's ready. Like one day it's ripe and then you can just very easily pull it off the tree versus, you know, if you try to pick it three weeks earlier, it's just not, it's just not there. And no matter how much you intend or manifest for it to be there, like it just needs its time. So I think having compassion and patience, patience with ourselves too, and realizing how much work there is to do. And that's a big part of why we chose the word becoming for our platform and for our book is because it is an ongoing process. It's not became. <laughs> it's becoming. You're always becoming. You're always becoming. And when you surrender to that and you start to fall in love with that, it takes so much pressure off because it's like it's there's nowhere to get. There's further to go and nowhere to get, which is another paradox that I always have to remind myself of. So yeah. I, I'm constantly saying that there's nowhere to get to. And, you know, especially and I know because I was I was this person, especially on this medicine path and the path of awakening. You know, when you first dive into it, you know, like like I did, I was one of those people. It was like, oh, wow, I see the potential of this this being so much bigger and better than anything, any of the other work I've done. And it was like, am I there yet? Am I there yet? And then, you know, realizing like, wait, there's nowhere to go. I mean, I make jokes about um, because because I get a lot of people saying, well, I'll, I'll wait to start my business as a healer when I'm healed. And I'm like, show me a human that's fully healed. You know, like there's onion layers, onion layers. I'm like, Jesus, Buddha, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, there's nowhere to go and to bring in that, that compassion and love and care for yourself. I mean, this is what I believe the world really needs right now, too, is that, you know, like slowing down and being OK with what's emerging. But let's let's talk a little bit more about these these larger pictures of, um, I, you know, I'm curious. I ask a lot of the guests, like, what are your viewpoints on? the growth of sacred plant medicines and psychedelics and how it's, you know, exponentially becoming more and more popular. Do you think there's a reason for that? And I'm curious, you know, how this, how it's grown in your life or, um, you know, taken shape in your own journeys? Yeah, I think that's a big question. Also, I think it's worth mentioning that it's growing in popularity and also it's not being stewarded by a lot of the people who are serving the medicine in a very good way. And there's a lot of inappropriate behavior that's happening and containers that are just not safe. And so I just invite the audience to really do their due diligence before kind of entering any kind of container. But I, I think that the earth is, I, I'm an optimist. And so I feel like everything is going to be fine and beautiful and we're going to make a more beautiful world. And simultaneously, it requires all of us, right? It's the paradox. It requires all of us to step forward. And I think the medicine is stepping up and entering the collective in a way because we need it. And it's it's very much needed. And 
in our work, we believe it's about getting the right people to sit with the medicine so that we can do the work that's needed so that we can thrive. Yeah, it's like the earth is activating her own immune system, you know, and, and her immune system is manifesting itself in the form of these plant allies and plant teachers that are very, obviously very ancient and very wise and have codes about how to live in physical form on this planet that we as modern humans have just forgotten and lost track of. So I think it's it makes perfect sense that there's this wave right now happening. And of course, with anything super powerful and magnetic, there's going to be a lot of people attracted to it that aren't necessarily, who just don't have the experience or the, you know, potentially the right intentions to steward it in a good way. So I think certainly a huge dose of discernment is required, you know, to be a part of this movement right now. And there's a very real shadow side that we also really get to acknowledge. And it certainly is not the quick fix solution, because that's another big misconception that I think we can easily have. And like you said, when I found the medicine, I was like, oh my God, I found the Holy Grail, you know, like, this is it. <laughs> you know, if, if only everyone could have this experience, they would be forever changed. And the reality is that it's a peak experience and it is not designed to do the work for us. It is designed to give us a reference point. And then it is our opportunity, our responsibility to close the gap between what we were shown was possible and how we show up in our day-to-day -day lives. And there's something very humbling and very simple about that that I think a lot of people don't like, <laughs> you know, because there's this, we're, we're so in love with this fantasy that there's going to be this thing that's just going to save us one day. And of course we are because we're programmed to believe that, right? Like, look at what, what's playing in the movies and just the superhero archetype of like, there's someone who's stronger and more aware and more equipped than you and who's going to come and save the day. That is a very deeply ingrained narrative in our collective programming. And especially in America. Yeah, I call it, um, I say, just being around this this whole psychedelic space for many years, I call it the Amazon Prime effect where people want it like yesterday, you know, like, oh, you know, I've tried everything and I keep hearing about psychedelics and they're just going to fix everything. And I'm like, you know, I've been speaking about this very publicly about this idea that, you know, people are now turning to these medicines for um, depression, PTSD, anxiety. And I'm like, well, wait a second, what's at the root of all that? Yes, the psychedelics will help uproot it and bring it into being so that you can then look at it, work with an integration, you know, somatic therapist, whatever it is, do your integration process to heal it. But it's not the cover up for the depression. It's like we need to get to what's beneath the depression and what's causing this in society. Um, but so many people because I get inquiries from random strangers all the time, you know, like, oh, I, I've heard that this could help me. You know, where can I get it? And it's just that like that kind of that's still that like ego based chasing like the quick fix. But then there's a reality to how these medicines work and it's not going to just cover up all your pain. You know, it's it's quite the opposite. Right. It might put a magnifying glass on your pain. Right. In fact, it likely will. And that's what is what is so powerful about this movement, too, is it's not it's not really something you can use. I mean, it's certainly if you're working with ayahuasca or psilocybin, it's not something you can use to escape your problems. I mean, you can certainly get addicted to like the high of being connected to the divine, maybe, or just even the, there's a real phenomenon, I think of, we all, I think as humans feel very displaced and like we don't belong. And so when we come into a ceremonial community, there's also just the sense of belonging that can become very magnetic to people. And that can also have someone continually come back over and over again, even though maybe they're not 
truly integrating their work, just to, to feel that, that sense of like family, you know, and, and one open-hearted connection, which is a really powerful medicine in and of itself. But ultimately, the real work happens in all the in-between moments of our day-to-day -day life. And when we can fall in love with that, that's when things really start to change. So I think it really is, like you said, a fundamental mentality shift and what's underneath it. And I couldn't agree with you more. And Charles talks about this a lot, Charles Eisenstein, but it's really the wound of separation is at the core. So psychedelics and plant medicine are a tool that can help us remember what it feels like to not be separate. Just a tool on the path. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought up also the shadow side and for people to do due diligence. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there is an issue, you know, there's a major issue out there, you know, the ego that wants it and people jumping on the bandwagon and maybe not serving it in the best, safest, high integrity containers. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. But you did say something else about uh, getting this in the hands of certain kinds of people, because I think this is also connected to the work you're doing, right, with becoming and your program, your methodology. You know, what do you envision when it comes to um, these right people? Is it leaders? Is it people that are called to be leaders? Is it people who are already highly successful in the world and now getting them onto a, an, a more awakened purpose-based path? Like, what, what, tell us a little bit about this vision you have. Yeah, well, we have two containers or two courses or tracks, I guess. One is designed for basically who I was 10 years ago, successful entrepreneur, you know, checked all the boxes of traditional success, um, really lacking fulfillment, and there's something missing. And so we want to have a container for people to step into uh, to, to help them navigate what that is. And over a six-month period of time through a really intense course curriculum, um, you leave the program with a new operating system that you've built for your life. So you literally walk away with a 200-page template that is now the guide that you have built for your life. And we incorporate this with retreats abroad and plant-based medicine work. And then the other container is for Azria 10 years ago, which is somebody who's heart-centered, wants to do good in the world, but hasn't really brought that into reality in the 3D, it hasn't manifested that and, and really needs grounding into like, how do I take this, this vision, this heart that I have and actually create in the world? And so we have these two different programs. Uh, and so those are, the, those are the people that we think that have the ability to drive the most impact, the people who you know, inherently want to do good in the world or the, or the people like me who've like figured out how to how to make it in this collective you know experience that we have, uh, they they've manifested the the tools and then point them in a different direction. Can you tell us a little like you know without giving it all away, but a little bit of what this process looks like, like you know getting people to find this blueprint. You know, let's say someone like me, for example, who's definitely heart centered, doing some big things in the world, but. You know, there's that feeling of being um, driven by something beyond me that's like, okay, I know I have something to give in this world. I don't know what it is. Is it that I just haven't tapped into this or is it it's ready to emerge and it'll emerge as as it blooms? You know, like you said, like the the blossom slowly blooming and then you pick it when it's ripe. Or is it, you know, you're taking people through really intense like shadow work process or somatic process? You know, tell us a little bit about the methodology, if you can. For sure. I mean, it's really, 
It's a very comprehensive program that integrates and incorporates all of these different tools and modalities that we've collected over the course of our journey, which is, you know, combined like decades of, of deep work. And um, Benjamin has been in many, many organizations like YPO and Vistage and Tiger 21, who, you know, the, the types of organizations where there's a lot of powerful kind of CEO types and, and executive types who go through their own like processes and, and also specifically related to business, but we're lacking the kind of the the framework or the tools to understand more of their psycho-spiritual emotional intelligence. And so he was observing that in his community uh, and started to collect a lot of data and information going to personal development retreats and sort of starting to build a bridge between these two ways of being, right? One is very left brain and, and the other is more right brain. And so my background is really like I shared earlier, in the creative, artistic, visionary space, um, in the space of healing, coaching, service. And so we sort of collected all of our gifts from both of those arenas and put them together into this, this operating system. And that's kind of the whole idea of it is like, you've been given an operating system by society, by your upbringing, by the conditioning of your life. And that's an operating system that you didn't necessarily choose with your free will right? It was put inside of you before you even had a chance to know what your free will was. And so you get to now decide what it is that you really want your operating system to look like. How do you want to show up in the world? How do you want to see life? Through what lens do you want to see life? How do you want to interface with yourself and with reality and the people around you? And so the process is a very comprehensive step-by-step, -step, like phased process of going through really every area of your life including your shadow and your, your programming, your conditioning, but also really where it is that you want to go. And the purpose of it ultimately is to uncover who are you designed to be, you know, going back to what I was sharing earlier about this idea that there's this dormant DNA or this aspect of you that is encoded to be something or to, to show up a certain way that you maybe just haven't fully opened the potential of. The program is designed to, to find the key that you can put it in the lock. We're not here to tell you what that is because we can't possibly know. That's yours to figure out, but we can create the container. We can ask the questions. We can take you through the processes that can allow you to answer those deeper questions. And then we bring in other facilitators, guest speakers, medicine people, people that we trust and know and love who we also work with. And we really build out, you know, so that, that it's, it's a comprehensive layered approach to the inner work. And there's really nothing like it. There's nothing as comprehensive as what, we're, what we've created out there in the world that I'm aware of, certainly not that also incorporates plant medicine work. But the biggest reason that we created the program is because we really do believe that the medicine work on its own is not enough. It's actually, sometimes it can be harder <laughs> when you go and you have this peak experience and you get blasted into the multiverse and you're like, holy shit, I saw the face of God. And now I'm like back at my desk, you know, working my nine to five and I don't know how to make the change I know I need to make. And that can be stifling, it can be depressing, it can be debilitating to have that contrast. So this is why we, we decided to build so much curriculum around the plant medicine retreat. And also the plant medicine retreat isn't necessarily ne even necessary for this process, depending on which course you're enrolled in. Does that answer your question? Yeah, um, no, this is beautiful. And I, I agree, it's, you know, that was kind of what happened to me where I was like, well, why are so many people struggling to make even just the smallest changes. Well, you know, going going on dieta in Peru is not the easiest thing in the world and it's life-changing, but then you would see people come back from even that really big, powerful experience 
and end up in the same patterns over and over and over. And and for me, it was like, okay, well, here's how you just start a business, like very simple things. Um, not so much like huge leaders in the world, but people making just the very first step. I have a question that we're gonna, if we can shift into this, even though it has nothing to do with leadership and entrepreneurship, but maybe it does. I'm curious, you know, did the two of you meet through medicine work or did the medicine take, you know, have any part and place in how you two met and got together? I'd love to hear that story. We didn't directly meet through medicine work. No, we were, I mean, indirectly, I guess we did because it was a, a friend of mine who is in the medicine space who introduced us. But I actually showed up at his doorstep for a dinner party and uh, <laughs> rang the doorbell and he opened the door and the rest is history kind of thing. Yeah, um, I guess the only thing interesting related to the medicine was I've been to Peru, you know, eight years before meeting Azria and I was journaling like a month before meeting her and it was like, okay, it's time to really dive deep with this medicine. And I just had this intuitive knowing and I met her and she asked me, you know, within the first hour, like, what's your relationship to plant-based medicines? I'm like, you know, it's so interesting you asked me. I've, I'm feeling called to, to sit with this medicine again. And I, I have this intuitive knowing that it's going to be a more serious engagement with it. And, uh, and she's like, oh, funny we're meeting, you know, and then you know, the rest was history. Plant medicine and psychedelics certainly played a big part in our relationship after that. So I would say the reason that we were able to move at the speed that we did, and like within two weeks we were planning our lives together, we were already starting to kind of download this whole becoming blueprint. We didn't know it was called becoming then, but we saw the vision of what we could co-create. And it had been something I'd been working on for several years. And in some ways, B had been working on it in his own way with, with another business partner. And But it was just like the puzzle pieces just clicked together. And within, yeah, like literally two weeks, we were sitting at dinner and we were like, we should have a retreat center and we should do this program and we should, you know, really do it, like actually do it and document it too, because we have a whole media arm as well to what we're creating. So another big part of what we believe is necessary for the for this shift in consciousness is reference points and case studies and examples of people who are on this path and who are sharing their journey in the full, the full spectrum of the journey, not just the highs, but also the lows. We need more examples of that, you know? We need examples of what integration looks like. We need examples of what it looks like when you are in an intimate partnership and you're you're working with these modalities and how they can both deepen the connection and accelerate the process of intimacy but also bring all your shit to the surface and you know trigger all of your wounds and all of your shadow and how to work with that and so it, it's like our life has just been this it's become like this guinea pig I guess for the becoming process and we we go through something and then we're like, wow, that was profound. We made it through something really intense and like, like, let's reverse engineer that now and include it in our process or share it in a documentary or something like that. So it's yeah. been certainly and, a big part of our journey. And if you want the juicy erotic version, you can read the book. Yeah. Because sex is also very important in all of this. I'm sold. You I'm know? sold. No, it's, it's funny because... Um, yeah, so my former partner and I, who we're, we're still very connected, we're not together right now, but, you know, there's energy there in the background. You know, when I met him, he was on a really deep path, but not with the medicine. And we had had these very similar paths, but mine had all a lot of, you know, the psychedelics and plant medicines for many, many years. And his was like somatic therapy. I mean, he's a therapist, somatic therapy. He came on a dieta, and I, I did not, you know, I was like, 
this is a big deal. It's no joke. And it was just crazy to see exactly what you just said. It's like, oh, it's like there's these moments of love and bliss and then so much shit surfaces after something like that, you know, or not even just a dieta, even just going into a ceremony space and working with this this kind of medicine to see all that surfaces and, you know, to see like, okay, are we aware enough to even be able to process through this and make it through it, which is part of what we're actually going through now for it's been for a while. But um, can we hear a little bit more about this fast track? Just I'm curious out of my own, you know, my own interest, like you met, you got together, plan your life in two weeks, that you're married, right? I think how quick was this all moving? And do you think this is because of the medicine path? Or is it because of just your overall all the inner work you've done, you're just aware enough and conscious enough to know, we can make this work? I think that our relationship would have blossomed, I think, regardless. I think what the medicine allowed us to do was there were some fears that really came up, right? Like, so I met Azria, when I met her, she was questioning monogamy, for example. And that was like a huge red flag for me. I was like, I don't even know if I want to even go down this path. But what the medicine did over and over and for different circumstances, what it did was allowed our fear and insecurity and ego defense mechanisms to just kind of fall away and to see what was true behind our fears and distortions. And so it allowed us to move it at hyper speed. I think that we would have, you know, probably fallen in love anyway. But every time fear started to create a barrier or a wall, we would step into the medicine space and the medicine would just kind of dissolve those so we could see clearly, right? And so I think that was the the biggest catalyst for growth. And that was the way, the reason we were able to just kind of quantum leak. I mean, in four months, we were buying a gorgeous property to house transformational retreats. You know, we were starting filming our lives. This We have two documentaries in the pipeline that are going to be released probably this year. We started this book. A lot of those things just have allowed us to do it because we we stayed in our hearts when fear and insecurities tend to you know block us from being in our hearts and I think that was the biggest catalyst for our, our growth and that's that was what fast tracked it was we were able to stay in our hearts when we would have might have allowed fear to kind of jump to the steering wheel. Yeah, and I guess the way I would answer that is. It's hard to imagine what our relationship would be like without having had the, these medicines as allies and support because when we met, Benjamin was still carrying a lot of weight from his previous life, like just energetic weight. There was a lot of unresolved karmic energy that he had that was really weighing him down and a lot of times shutting down his heart and his ability to be truly present in a way that that I needed him to be and that was very scary to me. But because I kept seeing his willingness to just continually go in and like face off with himself again and again and again and again, it was just this w relentless warrior spirit that he had that was just like, whatever it is, like, let me fucking feel it because I'm ready to be complete with this. Like, I'm, I'm so ready to move, move beyond this into a new way of being. And it was that dedication that was just created such a trust and such a, such a, like his devotion was so powerful, not just to me, but really to his own work. And that was what allowed me to continually lean in more and more and more so that when things came up, which they did, and some of them were very scary. And really, we went through two pretty intense death portals, which we talk about in the book, where we did not know if the relationship would, would make it. But in those moments, like there was just this 
continual willingness to like, whatever it takes, I'm all in, you know, I'm all in to this path and to, to knowing who I really am and to facing off with all of it. And so that has created a foundation that I think is very rare, where there's a huge amount of respect for each other, because we know we're willing to do whatever it takes to be true, period. When you can fully know that the other person is there, it, it just opens up so much possibility, you know? And then the communication is also a huge piece. Like the, the way we communicate is very special in that we just address things very lovingly and very swiftly, and we don't really let things accumulate. We, we sort of just move through them in real time, you know, as, as best we can, so. There's a beautiful quote we love by Jim Detmer that um, it's, what are you willing to risk for full aliveness? And I, I guess at the core, we're always willing to risk being comfortable right in a relationship and i think your earlier question around like why are don't people make advances and they're doing all this work and it's because they're allowing their ego their defense mechanisms to stay at the steering wheel and they have a fear of feeling something and so i think what what makes our relationship really special is is that we're always willing to feel the discomfort of bringing something to the surface and having those difficult conversations. And we're always willing to risk the relationship at the end of the day. We're willing to risk it all to be fully alive. And, and to be fully alive, you have to be willing to feel the full spectrum. It's not just the highs, but the, also the lows. And so we're willing to feel all of it and embrace it. And then that allows us to really be you know, fully alive in this relationship. Wow, this is, um, I'm so inspired. Um, because yeah, I mean, this is a lot is coming up with me and my previous relationship and this, this idea of death portal. I'm like, Oh, I think I've probably been in there. But I see, you know, it does take two, right? It takes two people that are willing to sit in the depths of the darkness. And in my own personal experience, that's kind of what happened where it's like two people who've done so much inner work and been been there, done that and been healing for the last 25, 30 years. But there was a point where it's like, oh, okay, I can go further. And he was like, I don't want to get this more uncomfortable. The problems, you know, the challenges were actually like pretty, they're pretty minor in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, it takes two to really go into that portal. But let's hear, I want to hear a little bit more about this. What is a death portal to you? And I would love to hear a story of um, where you are at that brink of, you know, giving up and what it really does take to stay in it and, and, and why stay in it too. Cause you know, again, Amazon prime effect, it's so much easier to just go out there and meet someone else. Right. Or like, Oh, Oh, another 8 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Start over with someone new. Which, which death portal should we, should we share about? Yeah. Well, I, I guess we'll share about the one that was really like the first death, por death, death portal was really related to, so I, when we entered the relationship, there was all this alignment, there was this incredible connection, but there was also this piece that was from the beginning, like a bit of a question mark, which was, I didn't really know if I wanted to have kids one day. And Benjamin was very clear that he did not want to have any more kids. He has two kids. Most one is 15 the, or 16 and the other's 20. So he's like, I'm, I did that. I'm good. Like, I love my kids and I'm just complete. Like <laughs> I'm not going down that road again. He got a vasectomy 15 years ago, like door closed. And so when I met him, I, I, you know, we, we talked about it and I was like, look, I just, I guess I don't know. I don't, the honest answer is I, I don't truly know. 
there's a timeline where I could totally see that like I don't and and there's a timeline where I could maybe one day. And so we decided just to trust that we were going to end up on the same page. And then as we got more serious and we threw a surprise wedding, it was a housewarming party, but it was actually a surprise wedding. And we gave 80 friends and family mushrooms and we married ourselves <laughs> five months into the relationship. So we, we were very like, we, we, again, we were all in, like, we were like, we're doing this. We were on the fast track. And with that also, of course, comes fear, right? And so on the other side of all of that excitement, maybe like five, six months later, we were talking about getting legally married. That first wedding wasn't, wasn't a legal wedding. And so when that conversation came up, it triggered a shit ton of stuff for me. And I was like, I don't know if I believe in legal marriage. I don't know if I know that I can make that kind of commitment. Like, and so this child topic came up really strongly, actually, in medicine space. And I felt like I was in this rock and a hard place where I was like, I, I still don't truly know if this is a full yes for me. But the fact that it's not even a possibility is now becoming a real problem for me. Like I, I'm starting to feel suffocated by that and by this hard no. And I don't know how to be free in that. And I don't know. I, I don't know was like kind of the main takeaway. And that I don't know was very scary to Benjamin. You can imagine, right? We were here. We are building a business and like we, he bought a house. We're doing this. We're doing this all together. And so there's a lot at stake. And when I shared what was coming up for me, it spiraled us into a really dark place. And it was the first time that we'd really had like kind of a, it felt like almost a, one of the, one of those no win situations, you know, where it's like, he's not wrong and I'm not wrong, but we may just not be the right fit. And that's really devastating. It, no one's at fault, which almost makes it worse, <laughs> you know? And so we went through this process for like a couple weeks where we really went to this place where we just let the relationship die. We had to let it all go. We had to make peace with the possibility that it wasn't going to be what we thought it was supposed to be. Yeah, I think there's, in our society, we, we have this negative connotation towards death. And I think that this work, you know, especially with the medicine, is really all about death. And the last uh, part of our book, the last third of our book, is, is Die Before You Die. And it's this concept that every initiation every new expression of yourself requires some old version of yourself to die. And so in this work we've learned, and it's not, not, and it's, it's easy to say this on this podcast, but to go through it is hard, but we've really leaned into death. So when we went through this, this process, when we say we, we let the relationship die, like we really went there. I went away for two weeks. I stayed at Aubrey Marcus's ranch in, in Sedona by myself. And really just allowed myself to feel it. I was like, okay, like, what does it feel like to like everything we're building to be gone? This book is no longer, our business is no longer, uh, this relationship's no longer. I, I literally sat and said, okay, like I'm going to sit and imagine Azria with another man and another life and making babies with somebody else. And not from a place of resistance, but a, a, a place of like, let me feel this fully. And that's the, the most empowering thing you can do is actually to feel something fully whether it's bliss or, or your worst nightmare, your worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And so a death portal is actually allowing yourself to fully let an expression of yourself die so that a new expression can emerge. And on the other, we, we have this quote that we love on the other side of death is always truth. And we went through an initiation and we came out on the other side of it really with, with a new truth. And I think the most 
critical piece of it is, is we wouldn't, we, we, neither of us were going to allow ourselves to compromise or the other person to compromise. So compromise is just something that was not on the table. And so we knew that we had to meet each other in a new truth. And when I allowed myself to feel this fully and, and fully let this die, and then I went into a ceremony and all of a sudden, then I felt the spirit of a child. And then it was like, oh my God, like I, I, I had, I felt it. It's a boy. And so we moved through the other side of it, but I didn't compromise. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to have a child because she wants me to have a child. I actually did the opposite. I was like, okay, like it's, it's over. And in the full acceptance of that, then it was like, it was like a new version of myself emerged. And I was like, that old expression of myself could not have had the child. And so in that death, it allowed for a rebirth of me. And this new version of me was now an energetic match to this child. This is beautiful because now I, now I know I've been in a death portal for one year. Because this is the exact thing I went through with my former partner. There's really nothing wrong. I mean, it was just like, okay, there's things that we both had to go through. It's been a year of um, incredible. You know, it's been a death grief. It's been hard, but it's also been the greatest healer I could imagine. And I've just been like sitting with it, you know, and he's been sitting with it and we're still talking and there's still love and, you know, and I'm, I'm now I'm just fully surrendered to like, Hey, if it works great, if it's someone else, even better, you know, it's like this or this or something better is always on the other side. But I, I love this, uh, this story. Thank you so much for, for sharing it because it does show that idea of, you know, that surrendering to death. I'm constantly saying like, I love dying. I mean, I've died, you know, thousands of times in my life. And yeah, definitely going into some places in the medicine space and you come out and it's like, okay, that, you know, a lot of these buzzwords in the medicine community get thrown around, but thrown around around, um, you know, upgrade or new operating system or, you know, like new timeline or new version of myself, you know, whatever it is. And it, but it is that constant death process of letting go and allowing something that's maybe even beyond what you could have imagined to come through. So there's also something that's maybe related to this as well. There's something in the book around um, the dimension that exists beyond problems. <laughs> Let's talk about this. I love talking about um, dimensions, multidimensional beings that we are. You know, is that what you mean that there's this there's this other place that we can go or, you know, tell us about what you mean by that and um, how this came about? Yeah, for sure. So the the dimension that exists beyond problems is really this this state of consciousness where you're in full acceptance of your co-creatorship with life. Like when you are in full acceptance and you take full responsibility for the fact that you co-created everything in your life, whether you love it or you hate it, you transcend every problem in your life because Problems have to, they kind of by default have to disappear because everything then is just simply an opportunity that's inviting you to bring more awareness to where you might be creating things you don't want. So if something's in your life that feels like a huge problem, it's some subconscious aspect of you that is knocking at your at the door of your consciousness going, going hey, look, <laughs> here's this external manifestation of something that you really don't want but that you actually do want because otherwise it wouldn't fucking be here. And it's here to give you a gift, a gift wrapped in thorns, showing you where you're a vibrational match to this. And now you get to choose whether you want to continue to be a vibrational match to this or whether you want to change your relationship to this thing and move into a different frequency. So in one fell swoop, you sort of eliminate every problem that exists. And it's, it's a pretty massive 
thing to just choose to accept, you know, responsibility for. I think it also requires you to believe that the universe is benevolent and that those problems that are coming, that the universe wants you to step into the highest expression of yourself. And you can either, you know, fail the exam that the universe gives you, or you can use it as curriculum. And when the universe is like, okay, great, you've now evolved. What is it going to do? It's going to give you more curriculum. And so when you, you change the perspective of like, oh, woe is me, this problem is in my field. It's like, oh, I've actually evolved to the next stage and the universe has given me more curriculum so that I can grow more. And without that curriculum, without that problem, I can't grow. And so it's really traction, but it requires you to believe that the universe is benevolent and that is working for you. And that when the dimension that exists beyond problems, it doesn't mean there aren't problems. It means when they show up in your field, you're like, great, this is curriculum. And so it changes the whole dynamic. And so energetically, you're like, okay, what am I meant to learn by this? Wayne Dyer has a quote that we love. It's, um, life gives you an exam over and over again uh, until you pass it. And so you can either take that curriculum, that problem, and just keep trying to learn looping, right? The same thing, right? You can move from that one relationship and go to the next relationship and, and encounter the exact same problems. Or you can learn from those problems and say, okay, the curriculum wants me to grow so that I, when I go into my next relationship, and I did that with my last relationship, I really reflected on it. I was like, okay, I, I don't want that to happen again. And so I, I knew I needed to show up differently. And so I used that as curriculum. If I wouldn't have had that curriculum of the previous relationship, I couldn't be in this relationship. So you learn to be grateful for the challenges and the curriculum and the problems that show up in your field. Yeah, I, I love that you bring this up. I'm like laughing to myself throughout it because I remember when I first really started to recognize and embody that idea that I created this, even the challenges, the failures, the going broke, the breakups, the crazy relationships, whatever it was. And when that first came into my reality, I was like, but I don't, I don't want this. No, I didn't want this, but yes, I did. My soul wanted it because my soul is here to evolve. And this is how I personally have been pretty at peace the last few years and, and just even a few years before that, but with the state of the world that we're in, where so many people, I mean, I'm sure you guys see this, it's social media, there's just constant, doesn't matter what side anybody's on, it's just that that constant pointing to the external, like, here's all, here are all the problems, here are all the problems, things are going to shit, we're headed for destruction, and it's like, well, wait a second, we could actually choose to look at this on a, on a, this more evolved level of, um, well, first of all, it's here for a reason, right? Like we, we actually did want this. This is why we're, we're incarnated here for a purpose, right? Um, I'm curious, what are your views on that? Like, do you believe that this is all, um, like as above, so, so below going on in everybody's lives and on the collective and it's, because I'm very much like you, B. I'm I'm super optimistic. I'm like, great, we're here creating a new planet. You know, yeah, it's maybe going to be rough, and there's probably going to be things that are very uncomfortable. But to me, this has actually been one of the biggest lessons through the medicine to just be able to sit in the center of the cyclone of of chaos. But do you do you believe in this and buy into this as well? Is this like how you bring everything into your like, do you bring this into the work that you're doing? And For sure. We, we believe in, we use the kintsugi example a lot. Kintsugi is the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold lacquer, which actually enhances the cracks versus trying to hide them. And it's a beautiful metaphor for the cracking that's occurring both on the individual and also on the collective level. There's a cracking apart of a paradigm that is no longer serving 
paradigm built on separation, fear, disconnection, um, and really alienation from our source, right? From, from the place from which we come, which is our planet Earth. And that paradigm is on its way out. But when things are die, like a lot of times they cling, right? Just like when we went through our death portal, like we were attached, deeply attached to this idea of what it should be. And that is the most painful part of the process is like the clinging and the holding on to and the wishing it was different. And so I think even though most people, if you stopped any random person on the street, you'd probably get a similar answer, like shit's hitting the fan and it's not working, but still people are clinging to what they know because it's, feels as safe as they could possibly muster, right? So the, the unknown is, is worse than like the known that doesn't work. So when, when I look at the state of the world and, and we look at all of the terrible things that are happening on this planet, you know, to us, we see it through the lens of like, birth is messy. When the baby comes out of the womb, there's screaming, there's crying, there's blood, there's pain. Sometimes it's lethal, like this shit is serious. We're going through a collective birthing process and it's probably gonna take a long time, maybe much longer than our lifetime, probably much longer than our lifetime. But if we see it through that lens, we see the beauty amidst the pain and we see the possibility amidst the heartbreak. And I think that's ultimately all we can do because what's the alternative, you know, to sink into a pit of despair and go, well, fuck, it's all over and we're, you know, we're screwed. Like, to me, that's just not an option. So it is a choice to see life through that lens. And I think the medicines very much give us the gift of that perspective and, and show us how real that can be. And for me, a lot of my medicine work has been very intergalactic, very transplanetary, like zoom all the way out and see what's happening on planet Earth from this like very, very expanded perspective. And that's been very helpful for me to, to realize like it's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. We use this example in our book, you know, if an alien popped down from another dimension and, and happened to find himself in a room where a woman was giving birth, he would be like, holy shit, planet Earth is terrible, violent and nasty. And like, what's going on here? This is, you know, but in the zoomed out perspective, the larger framework, that's a beautiful moment. And so I see it the same way. And also, this is also describes your relationship and how relationships could be. You know, this is something that's coming through listening to you um, and listening to you share about your death portal and your your the container of your relationship and how dedicated you are and how you're willing to sit in the chaos. But yeah, this this day and age, it's so easy to walk away, go find another partner. There's eight billion people. There's dating apps. There's, you know, this on to the next on to the next. And I'm wondering, you know, do you believe that anybody, you know, like any couple out there on, on earth that actually really loves each other, could they have a relationship like yours? Is it possible for anybody? <laughs> for sure. I do think that it's, that it's possible. And I think that what you're in devotion to isn't necessarily even the person or the personality. It's like, it's the consciousness coming through that person, right? So when you're in devotion to consciousness itself, to life, when you see things through the lens of the sacred and through the lens of perfection rather than flaw, that also mirrors in the relationship. So if you have two people who are deeply committed to that and they're willing to feel uncomfortable things and they're willing to be transparent and honest about what's happening and they're willing to ask for support, because that's another huge part of this, you know? We didn't get here all on our own. We had support. We were held in containers. We had coaches. We had facilitators. There was moments where we were like, we literally have no more tools for this. We need someone else to come in and give us some fucking tools. 
because you know you're in it together and it's you're so close to it it's like you can't see the forest for the trees so i really think that if you have all of those ingredients and you are committed then you can make it work and sometimes the most loving choice is to let each other go and it's like how can you know when it's time to fight and when it's time to let each other go you can only know if you're doing the inner work to know yourself and to have the self awareness and to have the discernment and the ability to listen and not be reactive but be responsive and then transitioning out of a relationship can also be a really beautiful thing so it's not always stay together but i certainly think that it can be it can be possible i'll just add i haven't read it but asria has shared with me some of marion williams work and williamson's yeah. williamson's work and she talks about this concept that that we talk about this like honeymoon phase, like we we fall in love and then all of a sudden the honeymoon phase and that there's there's this genetic, you know, we're, we're hardwired to like fall in love and procreate and mate and the hormone the pheromones are kicking off and and then kind of that that fizzles away and then you, you kind of start to see somebody through the lens of like a reality, like I see the true person, mm-hmm. and she has a different take on it in that she says when you meet somebody and you're in that honeymoon phase, that's actually the pure place. You're actually seeing them fully before the distortion mm-hmm. and before your fears have kind of stepped in and all of, all that other distortion comes up for you. Projections, yeah. Projections. And so when you ask that question is like, is this possible for everybody? I would just say anybody who's capable of falling in love and in that honeymoon phase is capable of staying in love. The real work is actually doing the inner work so that the fears and the distortions and the insecurities don't come to the surface and sabotage the beautiful love that was there. And so if you're capable of falling in love, then you're certainly capable of staying in love. Yeah. It, it just requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of work and it's ongoing, you know, like we, we have an incredible relationship and, and certainly like there's an ongoing practice. Like just the last week we, we moved out of our house and we launched our business and our book and it, things got really stressful. And sometimes when things get stressful, Benjamin goes kind of into his own world and I feel like I can't like access him. I'm like, where'd you go? I want to like cuddle and, you know. <laughs> Be, be, look at me and be present with me and like and he's just not available for that and so then I create stories and I'm of course aware of this now but I create stories of like feeling like there's something lacking or something needs to be fixed and then like and then I go into this kind of victim story where I'm like oh I'm not enough for him or whatever and then that's all just a, the, a program right so if I know myself well enough now to know that if I take all that and I project it on him and I go, you should be more this and you should be more that and I'm not feeling met and whatever, that's not really going to get me where I want to go. If I take a second and I drop into my practice or I take a walk and I meditate or I journal or listen to music and I give myself the presence that I crave from him first, then all of a sudden, sort of miraculously, he's drawn back into me because I'm actually self-sourced and I'm not coming from a place of lack. And I'm also not coming from a place of criticism because I'm good. And then automatically it sort of shifts things. And next thing you know, he's like right there again. And so it's those little things, those subtle dynamics that happen on a day-to-day basis that are really where the work is. Mm -hmm. It's not the big ceremony. It's not the big, it's like fucking Wednesday afternoon and I'm not feeling like you want to cuddle my ass, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's where the work is. 
Yeah, beautiful. It's like, you mean, you pretty much explain our world in a nutshell. It's like, I always say it's two little wounded children interacting. I mean, we see this everywhere. It's like the world stage as above, so below. And it's like the patterns get triggered, you know, the trigger of our, our defense patterns. One person gets triggered, the other gets triggered. And then now we have two triggered people just going at it. And it's like, chaos right and um you said it this is the medicine right here is like really having that awareness taking care of yourself being self-source self-sovereign really going inward instead of the the constant well you're not giving you're not doing you're you're this you're that i need i need and instead really you know doing that inner work on ourselves to then be able to take care of ourselves and i believe this is you know this is the key to having this kind of next level relationship like you're describing I love it. And I also love Marianne Williamson talks about, um, I forgot how she words it, but something about being special, like you're not special in a relationship, even though, yeah, like you can be special, but in the end, we are all just humans on this path. And, you know, really discerning the ego from the pureness of we are just of source and all humans are of source, you know, just like everything else. And we are all, you know, I actually had a vision totally sober the other week, um, with my my former partner as as an eagle. I've been seeing a lot of eagles lately and I was like, wow, he's just he's just the same thing as an eagle. It's there is no separation, there is no difference other than the specialness that I give someone or the specialness that I give uh famous people with huge Instagram followings. Um in the end, we're all really just here doing our best and contributing how we can. So let's dive into um you know, cuz I've I've heard, you know, leadership, business, stepping into your purpose. Um, I'm curious about the relationship piece. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, God, I think you you guys need a program for just relationships because it seems to be such an issue out there in the world. It's like I've said for years, I'm like, I don't know anybody who seems to have a very solid relationship. You know, I mean, yes, there's people who work on it and make it happen. But um, those are the minority of people on this planet, it seems. So can we talk about in your book and becoming, you know, do you touch on all these areas of life, including relationships, sex, business, money? Like, is that is your goal to have people really come into the full spectrum of living this this aligned life of the divine path? Or, you know, are there certain areas you talk about more than others? Well, I'll start to answer it and let Azria, but I guess what I'd say is when you say you should have a program about relationships or you ask about our, our book and you ask about, you know, money and, and businesses and all these different aspects, it's all relationship, right? It's your, it's your relationship to yourself. Number one is this work. So the answer to the question is, is all of our work is about relationship. <laughs> um, and so it's about your relationship to yourself first. It's about your relationship to your significant other. It's about your relationship to money, Right. Before even business, it's what's your relationship to money and energy and energy and and money is energy. And so what's your relationship to the universe? What's your relationship to spirit? And so all of this work is 100% about relationship. And we do dive into all, all those, you know, in the book in a big way. And also in our program, we, we just go really deep into those. And everyone has a different relationship to all those things. And so we create a container, we create a lot of structure, but within that structure, there's a ton of freedom because everyone's journey is very unique. And so we create structure and and create freedom within that structure for everyone to kind of go on their journey. 
For sure. The book, I would say it's a personal development book, but the heartbeat of it is it's a love story. And it's and it's our story of, of how we got to this place where we have this relationship. I mean, there's nothing that I value more in my life than this relationship, really. It's, it's the lifeblood to everything that's being created. And that's also scary because it's all lumped together, you know, the business, the family, the community, the purpose piece, like it's all linked together. And so if something isn't right in the relationship, everything else will suffer. If the relationship ends, everything else will, will dissolve. And that's a very high risk investment, you know, but the reward is also huge when it works. So our book has been described as like a hybrid between 50 shades of gray meets the untethered soul meets the four agreements. And certainly sexuality is a big aspect of our story and, and the way that we share our story. And because I think it's such an overlooked conversation a lot of times in the personal development space. You have like personal development and then you have Tantra, which is this nebulous kind of category of really a lot of which is not even actually original Tantra, which is much less focused on sexuality, but this sort of new age expression of Tantra. And so we want to really collapse a lot of those boundaries between these different buckets, between personal development in a more traditional sense, plant-based medicine work like indigenous shamanic practices and then like the realm of sexuality and and I guess you could say tantra from the lens of like just fully immersing yourself in the present moment because that's kind of what tantra is actually about and how that can apply in romantic relationships so our book is a good smorgasbord kind of of all of those different things nice nice thank you so much for clarifying that this sounds amazing um, and yeah, you know, it's all relation, you know, we're, we're all constantly relating, whether you feel isolated at home by yourself, it's, you know, we're still, this is the way of the world. You go buy something, it's a relationship. You ask your partner to do something, it's a relationship, the relationship with the plants, the relationship with earth. So thank you so much for clarifying that. Let's hear about what you have available for people to, you know, either work with you or join a program. And then you also mentioned documentaries coming out and retreat center. Um, you know, what's next for you over the next, you know, year, two years coming up in the future? All the things. <laughs> <laughs> we are busy. <laughs> we are busy humans. Yeah. The very easy, just first access point into our ecosystem is was visit the website and sign up for the three stages of becoming which is something that will, you know, an offering that will be directly delivered to your inbox. And it includes some of the documentary footage of what we've been capturing. We've been really capturing our journey. And so we share some aspects of that through the lens of the three stages of becoming. And so that's free, by the way, that's free. You can just sign up and, and directly get that to your, to your inbox Buy the book, obviously buy it on our website. It's a much nicer version of the book. It's a really sexy hardcover. And those are kind of like the great, the first great like entry points to, to really get to know us and what we're about. Yeah, we are enrolling right now for our six month transformational process. And we have two versions of that, as Benjamin mentioned. So enrollments are open for both. Really different depending on where you're at and who you are. And yeah, we go through a pretty rigorous application process. Like we, we really honor that this work is not for everyone. It's a, it's a big investment of time and energy and money and all the things. So we really want people who are like a full fuck yes, but we're super excited to transition into sharing the, that work again, because for me, as I've been coaching for seven years and I love it, but I took a big break to write this book and do all the media and backend and stuff. So yeah, it's just time to get back into the real healing work. 
Beautiful. And then are you building a retreat center? You already have one. It's more than a retreat center. It's in a Latin American country and we were building, it's 30 acres and we're building, you know, 20 homes, co-living facility. And it's really, we're looking at it as, as a, a compound of people doing this work. So other allies, uh, stewards um, of this work, practitioners. Uh, practitioners, and where people can either live, buy homes or rent homes and kind of dive in and be part of this community uh, of doing this work. And so it's not just about the becoming work, but also like bringing the other practitioners or masters in their field. Uh, and so we're building a real compound. And then we also, as part of everything we do, we believe that play is a big portion of it and is super important, right, to learn how to play in a different way. And so we, we plan on having epic experiences. We just threw an epic launch party at our property here in, in California, and but really like infusing music and we call it music, media as medicine as part of everything we do. And so we're really building an ecosystem that covers kind of the full spectrum of what it means to be alive. Uh, and play is a big piece of, of all of it. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we'll have all the links to everything you mentioned, including your free, I think it's like a three or four part series. Three, Yeah, three stages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we'll have the links here and people sign up for it, buy the book, check them out, follow them on social media like I do. Um, do you have any last parting words or advice or a message for the world that you would like to share? Well, I, I guess what's present right now is there's, you know, war in the Ukraine and this, it's, it's a pretty serious thing that, that is rippling out into our collective consciousness. And I think it's just, I've been meditating on this concept of war and really what that is. And I think that all war, external war is, is a manifestation of an internal war of us not being, of not having healed the rift between what we think is our self, right? Our separate self and then the rest of life. And that war is just projecting itself externally. But when we do that work and we, we start to heal that rift inside of each individual human being, we must by default create a new reflection, a new feedback loop. And so to just hold that vision, I guess, would be my call to action for people to hold that vision in their hearts, in their minds, in their, in their bodies, that that is possible and that, that that is happening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're feeling inspired, I'd appreciate it if you showed your love with a review. And check out my YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast. You can also head to BethAWeinstein.com to learn more about me and grab my free business growth trainings. Remember, you carry your own unique medicine and your medicine is what we need for these times.